dun, 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 dun. Doing things, singing things, all the kind of things that I... Oh. Uh, hey, DV. Hey, man. Um, just a quick question. Um... Oh, I love that sound. Um, so my question is, what is today's third shift thoughts? So, basically what I was thinking we could do is, um... Mm-hmm. I was going to run through music and what it means to me and how I create some of the music for the show. And in addition to that, we were going to talk about Jeff Goldblum's jazz band, which a lot of people don't really know about, but it's been super on my mind lately and I've been listening to it at night and I just think it's the coolest thing ever. No way. I love Jeff Goldblum. He's like the coolest thing ever. Okay, okay. I'm going to introduce the show so that way we can get started. Gotta get the jitters, jitters out. Gotta get all the nerves, nerves out of my system. Introducing Third Shift Thoughts with Joe. Learning about all the crazy things going on in your nervous system. The world and other things that make you sing All the things are gonna ring And it's time for the place that you can be Uniquely inspired That's your thoughts with Hi, so welcome to Third Shift Thoughts with Joe Fizz I'm Joe Fizz Sorry that it wasn't posted up on Saturday uh, I'm actually ordained through the Universal Life Church, and I performed a wedding ceremony for Lori and Mark. Shout out to them. Uh, hope your first couple of days as a married couple is fantastic. Um, so today, uh, based on that, uh, based on my friendship with Lori, um, and she is also one of the inspirations who uh, came up with this podcast, uh, one of the people who greenlighted it more so than anybody else, um, and was actually the first person to be like, hey, you should do this, because it would be really cool, and we would like to see what would happen. Sorry, I'm adjusting my microphone. So here's the first thing that I'm going to talk about. The first thing on this episode of this week, uh, we're going to talk about music. So I know that a lot of people sometimes question, you know, what the point of music is. Like, why do we still... I had to take off my shirt, my uh, overshirt. Calm down. Um, why people, you know, want to um, play music, why people want to uh, primarily get inspired by music. I know there are some people out there who just hate music. They think it's dumb. Um, so what is it that, for me, brings music to the forefront? What is it that um, brings something to be you know, why is it part of my being? Why is it part of who I am? A little bit of a sob story. When I was a kid, um, we lost a family member. Um, and it was one of the most traumatic things that I've ever experienced. Um, I've experienced other traumatic things that have gone on. And I've had to uh, reconnoiter and transition, take them in, learn what they mean and how they fix and are part of my life. But one of the things that I love about music is that Sometimes in life, the way I feel it, there are things that happen to you that you just can't describe other than with sound. Um, 
It's why some people take up writing. It's why I really like writing for this podcast. It's just an outlet. It's something that's different for you. Uh, for example, sometimes I want to, um, you know, the, well, not me personally, but sometimes there are people who just say, you know, I want to go out and hit something. I'm not one of those people <laughs> because I don't really um, think that's healthy in some ways. For some people it is, for some it isn't. I'm not going to be the one here to say, you know, someone's um, someone's way to take out anger, for example, would be like to kickbox or something like that. I'm not here to say that that's not healthy because there are healthy ways to do it. Um, for me, though, I don't really like to hit things. It's just not part of, you know, who I am. It is cathartic, I will say, you know, taking a sledgehammer to say like, a broken car. We actually did that in undergrad as part of like, um, there's kind of like a block party thing that we would have through the school. And we would, there were times where they would have stuff like that or like spray painting something or, you know, taking these like inflatable gigantic, um, look like hamster balls and you go running into somebody and it launches them to the ground and it's just fun time. Um, so <laughs> sounds like I'm contradicting my you know, previous statement. Um, but it's not really, you know, for me all the time. So what I do is I look for something where somebody I can connect to, um, for example, a book, um, Neil Gaiman is one of the best writers. Um, Griffin McElroy is another great writer. Um, he does like the adventure zone and the adventure zone podcast in the books. Neil Gaiman just writes really beautiful work. Um, one of the books I would recommend from him would be uh, The Ocean at the End of the Lane because it is just such a beautiful testimony to growing up and other various instances. But primarily what I want to talk about today is why music is so great for me. So for me, music is just that sound, that sound and that vibration uh, just connects with me and it warms my heart. Um, it's something that I have personally loved ever since I was a little kid. So let me go grab my guitar. I know that some of you might be just the most abhorred thing you hear today, and I apologize. But let me go grab my guitar, and I'll explain. All right. I'm going to pull out old Bethilda here. Bethilda Bagshot for all those Harry Potter fans out there. Um... So I'm trying to think of something that I can play simply um, that uh, will kind of resonate how I feel. So as a kid, you know, I grew up with um, bluegrass and early country music and the early inf earliest influences of rock and roll. So... Um, and I can get into those topics later on the podcast, but one of the things that I love about bluegrass and country in general is you really only need to know three or four chords and you can play basically anything. You may have to change around the keys a little bit. Um, you may have to like sing higher or lower, but you can really do, uh, those simple things and create this wonderful product. So for example...
Went down to the old folks' home Saw my grandpappy there Looking kind of scared at the morning Didn't know if I was there So I went to the ocean side And I took myself for a little drive Wondered why he looked so frail Wondered if he saw a ghost He looked so pale But it's two times morning light It comes around for each and every one of us Wondering when I'll take that ride On the celestial bus Now the time has come again For me to lay my head down Will I be happy? Will I be scared? Will I welcome on in The angels sound singing Oh, oh, oh So that's part of, you know, when I make the musical interludes, I'm going to pick a genre that I really know and love, and I will just make something up. Um, I can't really do too many, I can't really do too many uh, covers on here just because I really don't want to run into licensing issues. Um, I can play things in the style of it, um, but I can't really, you know, do... <laughs> can't really play stuff um otherwise uh you really don't want to you really don't want to hear me playing pinball wizard or um you know i don't know seven nation army or something like that yeah i stopped um but part of what i do is that's part of the musical interlude is that i want to make something off the top of my head in the moment that you guys can connect to uh, that story is kind of autobiographical. Um, my grandfather recently uh, was in the nursing home, and he passed away. And I didn't end up going to the sea, but um, technically the sea could be, you know, my emotions or, um, you know, just kind of my own way of relating to uh, what was going on in life. So um, who knows? Uh it's, it's just the sound, as you can hear, you know, in the... It's very um, rootsy. Um, I'm trying to think of... I can't really play... Uh, let me see here. Uh, I could try and do something a little more like... I know, I only had to play like the first note you guys knew. sure you can know what that one is too um but basically you know something a little more somber you know i can do something like 
you can even get rid of the pick and you can do like a um, Lindsey Buckingham like picking style, you know, for uh, like the chain. I know that sounds like landslide, but. But most of the things that I do for this podcast, you know, I use um, loops in other various type of instances, uh, and I'll throw my voice over it. So, for example, um, part of what the music, and I can do a part two of this too um, to kind of explain a little bit more, but part of what I do is I do something like this. Something that sounds like this. And then I'll think of something else to throw with it. Um, now you gotta pay attention to a couple things. The first is on the beat. It's that snap. That snap is typically acting like the snare drum. Um, and then there's that little bit of fill that boop, 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 boop. So what I'll do is I'll find something weird to throw into it, maybe like a shaker or maracas. And then typically I'll throw in something else too, something that'll grab your attention away from the beat. Think of some absurdist lyric to kind of throw over it and to create the music interlude. So, give me a second. Mind you, this is all in real time. Like, I'm thinking of this um, and the lyrics as we go. So, give me a couple beats to run through and then I'll see what I can come up with. Wanna say hello, girl? You know you make me wanna say hello. In your house and on the street, gonna get up and on my feet. Want to make you feel the beat that's grooving in my veins tonight. Veins I was feeling a little bit of Stevie Wonder there. Um, I kind of had that weird or like not necessarily a Jason Derulo vibe, but that's kind of what I was feeling with these strings that are thrown in there. I could also do something um, a little bit different. So maybe I can come up with something else here in a second. Mamacita. Tango amor palati, mamacita. Tengo amor palati. Espero que tenga un buen día. Tengo que espero tu tenga un buena noche. Espero que. 
spell okay. Man, Spanish is so rough. Oh, my Spanish is so rough. Um, but that's kind of what I do for the music interludes. Um, I haven't been doing them too much recently, uh, mostly because I want to be filling it with a little more content. But you kind of get the idea. Um, and you can even throw in something like... transition to the next portion um, which is Jeff Goldblum's jazz band so I'm gonna let this run through and then you'll hear the jazzy sound and then we'll cut into the next part Let's picture something, if you will. And I know, by the way, I wanted to say one last thing before we get into this next section. I don't actually make, for example, like the percussion beats and stuff. Um, I get them from Apple uh, GarageBand loops. Um, so all the credit goes to them. I never want to take those um, from them because they do a really great job and they use them really well. So to the next part jeff goldblum's jazz band and album um this has been on my mind a lot lately just because it's so bizarre and so weird but i love it so freaking much um so here we go wow okay so jeff goldblum's jazz album let's just let's just set this scene if you will if you close your eyes and you picture this scene it's in Hollywood, Sunset Boulevard. The sun is sinking over the sky, and it goes over the hills. Twilight descends. You can hear, as you walk by, the clinking of glasses, the lonely saxophone, the trumpet here, a little jazz break in there, and we center upon our hero, Jeff Goldblum. Hands in pockets, wearing the most flamboyant outfit that you can imagine, adjusting his thick Buddy Holly-like spectacles, as he greets people that he sees, has seen and has not seen. Treats everybody like a friend. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Jeff Goldblum here. Nice to see you. Hey, uh, howdy. Uh, come down to my jazz club. It's going to be a great time. Oh, okay, well, we'll see you later and uh, be sure to swing on in. <laughs> he just keeps going. You know, he's looking down at his um, shoes and he's kicking some of the trash out of the way as he's walking and who knows, maybe just kind of looking up and nodding and smiling as people who are just visiting Hollywood and um, the area just look down and they're just kind of perturbed to see 
such a movie icon walking their direction, having given them a second glance and saying hello. He walks to his familiar club. He tucks his hands in his pockets once again and surveys the scene. Not a packed house because, well, it's not very well advertised, but it's his. The orchestra is his. This jazz club, this jazz band is his. Everything that he's worked up for in such a long time, it is because of the Goldblum. It is because he has decided that maybe movies aren't really for him all the time. Maybe he wants something more. New life, exciting, grabbing, gifting, everything that it could be jazz. In the instant that he sees it, as the lights go down, the curtain call comes. The drinks are being served. The clinking of glasses still goes on. The waiter's passing in and out of the tables. He ascends his throne, the piano bench, and he sits down and he picks the first note and holds it. He looks up through those glasses and he gives a nod. The drummer kicks in and they start with a simple, simple tempo and rhythm and beat. It's coming in and out as the trumpet and the saxophone take it up to the Goldblum surveys the audience to see who's paying attention. And he notices not a cell phone in sight because they're all paying attention to him. They're paying attention to the thing that they came to see, the crowning jewel, the piece de la resistance. It is him and his band and the jazz, the thing that is constant yet not constant at the same time, the way that he, with a simple flick of his hand, can cue a member of the band as they do an amazing solo, followed up by Till Bronner, Till Bronner on the trumpet, looking out into the crowd as he's done many a time before, and he takes the thing that is floating in the air, the moment, and he seizes it, and he launches into this trumpet solo for something that is up-tempo, such as Cantaloupe Island, and he just wraps it, wraps it around himself, and he wraps it some more, and he crafts this beautiful ball of sound, and he launches it back out into the audience to see what they say, and he's greeted by applause, and he looks up into the light, and, and he smiles. He knows that he's done something fantastic, and he knows that it Maybe one day we'll end up on a live recording somewhere, a bootleg, something that will be passed down from generation to generation. Oh my God, did you see Till Bronner? Yeah, I saw Till Bronner and he was fantastic. Yeah, he was so good. Oh, doll, don't you be talking like that. Till Bronner wasn't even of his times. We all know that John Batiste is the true trumpet player. Yeah, he's a piano player. You ain't even know what you're talking about. It's passed on down the streets. It's not even just staying in Hollywood. It's gone. Into the night. For maybe someone in some random molecule in the future to pick up and grab. But right now, Till Bronner pops back into his spot and he realizes that day may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But someday, someone will recognize. The Goldblum looks up and as he keeps playing his piano, he looks to see who else could cue. And he sees the drummer. The drummer takes the moment out of the air and he just starts with a fill. A simple little fill. A fill that is cutting in, a couple little hi-hat hits here, a couple of snare taps there, some fills. He keeps going, hits a couple of the cymbals. He cuts back in to his regular simple beat on the ride cymbal and the snare and the kick drum. The Goldblum looks for his next quote-unquote victim, and he sees the trombone player. He wants that slide. He wants the slide to come in and out like a radio frequency to capture the audience. And he does it, and he, you see the trombone player sliding his brass instrument as he's playing something fantastic. And then the Goldblum 
looks at another crown jewel of the night, Haley Reinhardt. Haley Reinhardt with an amazing voice, having been known for such gigs as postmodern jukebox and her own solo work. She knows this moment too, because if there's one constant in jazz, it's the improv portion. Truly, there isn't a wrong note in jazz. Well, maybe not. But we all know that there is something beautiful about the way the jazz can grasp a wrong thing and turn it into the right thing, a segue into the potential. And that's what Haley Reinhardt does with her scatting. She scats. And she scats and she continues as the band is playing the simple, steady beat of Cantaloupe Island. And now, after showcasing his repertoire, after showcasing the members around him, it is the Goldblum's turn to seize the moment. And he takes it. Yes, he does. He wraps it around his fingers as he plays the keys and he's tapping into all the classics. Duke Ellington, Glenn Miller, Benny Goodman, everyone and anything that he can take, he does. And he uses it in this solo improvisation. And as the song continues and continues and it gets quieter and quieter and it pulls away and it pulls away, you hear the steady final note with Haley going, yeah. And it ends. And the crowd stands up. They're riveted by this. And the Goldblum goes, thank you, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Haley Reinhardt, oh my God. Till Bronner, absolutely amazing. Uh, welcome to the evening. We're here on uh, downtown beautiful Hollywood. And my name is Jeff Goldblum, and this is my jazz band. And we're here to play for you, all the greats. And hopefully you can get to stomping and singing along with us. But for make sure to tip your waitresses, ladies and gentlemen. Your waiters and your waitresses, because they are here serving you as we are serving you, and it's things like that that keeps people coming back every week for this institution to grow here at the uh, downtown Hollywood Jazz Club. And with that, let's cut into a never enter my mind, a great, great piece by the great, great Miles Davis. Let's get ready to roll. And then they cut in again, and again, and again, with more songs, more songs, playing into the night, reminding everybody... In this great, big, beautiful world, that jazz is not lost. Live music is not lost. Live entertainment is still there. Where we spend day to day looking at our cell phones instead of talking to the person around us, getting to know humanity. The ability for music to grab your attention is still there. And as the Goldblum packs away his hands into his pockets once again to return maybe tomorrow night or the night after that, he's not too sure. He sees somebody, a little kid, that their parents brought to see one of the masters, true masters of the craft. And the kid looks up, and he looks at the Goldblum, and he says, Hi, Mr. Goldblum. I was wondering, uh, what's it like to, uh, to, you know, um, to be who you are? And the Goldblum looks down at the kid and he goes, Well, little guy, I'm not too sure, but 
I'm sure your parents know that it's cool to be a cool cat. Something incoherent. Something that isn't really, you're not really sure what it means. But to this kid, it makes sense. He knows it's alright to just be a cool cat. And he talks a little bit more with the Goldblum about chasing his dreams. The Goldblum, you know, composes a crafty response that is not entirely truthful. It's not entirely wrong. It's just neutral. It's to remind the kid that it's going to take a lot of hard work, but the dreams are still there. And the kid goes off into the night. Hoping and dreaming that maybe one day, and one day soon, he could be on that stage too. No, I'm not sure if this is how it came to be. I'm not sure if this is how the Goldblum ended up becoming a recording artist and recording not one, um, which is live at the Capitol Studios with the uh, Mildred Sutzer Orchestra. I think that's what it's called. It's available everywhere on your streaming services and available on vinyl too. I'm not sure if that's how it went or if that's how he recorded the second album and hopefully many more albums before his time on this earth is done. But I would like to hope that in this anecdote, somehow in some way, this vagabond of normalcy, or rather non-normalcy, was what caused him to want to go in and want to record this. Who knows? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But the key of the matter is, is that he did it. And it's great. And you should honestly listen to the live sessions. That includes the likes of Till Bronner, Haley Reinhardt, and Sarah Silverman. Uh, because they're fantastic some of the best jazz that i've heard in a while of course we must include the great the new modern greats such as melody gardot jamie cullum and um john batiste because john batiste is one of the best however this album is distinct it's different it's something that grabs your attention and um yeah it's just fantastic so with that ladies and gentlemen this orator bowels for the evening and must go take a nap uh, before his third shift however uh, we're looking at two more weeks before pardon me before a new third shift thoughts comes into the atmosphere uh, which looks like the weekend of the 25th and 26th Uh, once again i apologize for the delay but once again um, congrats on your nuptials Laurie and Mark, um, thank you for having me officiate. It was a great time. Uh, And with that, ladies and germs, uh, we'll see you next time.